Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. This episode is the final part of A Christmas Promise. Lead Pastor Jeremy Flanagan continues to explore the promise of Jesus found in prophecy. He challenges us to always find joy through God's promises. Stay tuned after the sermon for this week's next steps. Christmas is about the gift that God gave us. And we can celebrate what he's done for us and how he provides for us and the promises God has given us any and every day of the year. And so no matter what we face, and that's what we've been talking about in this series on the promises of God, that no matter what we face, we can grab on to what he has promised. As believers in Christ, we can grab on to that. If you are here and you're, you're trying to decide whether or not you're placing your faith in Christ, if you still have questions about God, I want to tell you that when all the rest of the world seems like it may let us down, God is the one thing that never changes. And so we looked at the very first week in Isaiah chapter 7, it's that passage that says that Jesus, he would be called Emmanuel or God with us. And Matthew talked about that in his uh, gospel letter. And that whole idea that God would be with us. He would be with the nation of Israel. He would be with all of mankind. He'd be with believers. And even now today that he is with believers in the the form of the Holy Spirit, that God would actually come and live among us. And, And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because God sent his son. And he came and he lived among us so he could live for us. He could sacrifice himself for us. And he could provide eternity for those who place their trust in him. The next week, we looked at the idea of Jesus being called the Prince of Peace. And even though in Isaiah chapter 9, Israel was in the middle of terrible wars, and they had been overrun um, uh, many times over, and the Assyrians were pressing on them, and the nation of Israel, and and, uh, others to the north were pressing on Judah, that God promised that the Messiah would bring peace. And while we know that complete peace, ultimate peace won't come in our lifetime, if you trust in God, you know that peace is coming. You know that we have a promise that will be fulfilled one day, that we can spend an eternity with our God in heaven, and that all of these things we face today will be gone. And that can give us peace today, knowing that ultimate true peace will come. And God does care about the things in our life today, and we need to lift those up to him. And last week we talked about that idea of him being called the anointed one. In Isaiah chapter 53, a passage that we look at as believers and say, how could anyone read Isaiah 52 and 53, that passage they call the suffering servant, how could anyone look at that and not see Jesus Christ? But so many people do, and the Jewish people as a whole rejected him. And still today we talked about the different things and the different ways that people look at that prophecy in Isaiah 53 and Isaiah chapter 9, and they say, oh, it's Hezekiah, or oh, it's the nation of Israel as an entity. And they try and put other things on it, but we, looking at it, see Jesus because of what he's done for us, because of how he fits every picture within that scripture. And the anointed one just simply means chosen. It means that he was chosen, and that's what the word Messiah means. The word Messiah means means the chosen one, the anointed one. It is the person who is chosen or anointed to do God's work. That's what they were looking for. That's what we received. And today, I hope that you have trust in the Messiah that is Jesus Christ. And so everything that we've talked about, all the promises of God, and every promise rests 
on the idea of hope, right? A promise is something you don't have yet, but you hope you're going to have it. A promise is something that you haven't seen yet, but you hope it's going to come true. I mean, Christmas time with kids and presents, there's no clear picture of what hope is, right? That they go to bed waiting for the next day to be able to open up presents, and they hope they get what they want. And of course, you see two great pictures there. Because you see hopes realized when the kids open a present and they smile and they're happy and, you know, and they, they were just wanting a present and it all comes in and it's all great. Until they get to a certain age and if they don't get exactly what they want, they get upset. I mean, parents, kids, I guarantee you some of y'all had this discussion this week that when you open parents or when you open presents either at your grandparents' house or at our house, you better like it. And you better not throw a fit. You know, because we used to have that discussion with Luke when he was younger. Because you all get in that certain age and you want this one thing, right? You may get ten great presents. But in your mind, there's one thing that you want. And that's the only thing you're hoping for when you open that gift. And if you're not getting that one thing, you act disappointed. And so, you know, we, we had many of those threats. And uh, I remember as a kid myself where I, you know, got disappointed because I didn't get the toy I want, even though I had, you know, a dozen great toys around me. And the only problem that we ever have is not that if we hope in God that we're ever going to be let down, because we won't. If we place our hope in God, he will always come through. Our only problem with hope in this life is if we're placing it in things God hasn't promised. If we hope that we're never going to have problems, well, then we're going to have problems because that hope will not come true. If we hope that everyone's always going to like us, if we hope that we're never going to have a, a problem at school, if we hope that we're going to get good grades without studying for our kids as you get older, if you hope that all of the relationships you have with people are going to be simple and easy, if you hope that you're going to get every job that you want, if you hope that whatever job you have is going to stay there forever. If you hope in any of these things that we haven't been promised, you're going to be let down. But God tells us that we have so much more important things to hope for that will always come true. And so today, I want to look for just a few minutes that Jesus isn't the answer to every problem that we have as far as solving it now. But he is the answer for our life. Jesus is the answer for our life, for our hope, and for what's important, which is spending an eternity with him. And so for us, in, in many ways throughout the century, Christians have faced problems in this world or even faced persecution because they believed in Christ, because they believe in Jesus. And so God doesn't promise us that everything's always going to be easy. And that's what, really what we've been talking about this entire month of December but the difference between someone who faces life with hope or someone who faces life with dread is whether or not we believe and trust in the mission, in the way, and the future promised by our Savior. Because God tells us that if we'll just follow Him, that we can have hope His promises will always be true. So the last three weeks we've looked in the book of Isaiah. It's been prophesying about the coming of Jesus Christ. Well, we celebrated that this week. And Christmas, that's the celebration of Jesus coming and being born into this world. And so today, we're going to step after the birth of Christ, and we're going to look at a passage in Luke chapter 2. 
And in Luke chapter 2, we're going to talk about two people, two people who were giving more prophecies about God, about Jesus, about the Messiah, and at their reaction to, to him coming. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 21, eight days later when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, and then the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So here you have just the normal thing. Everything we think about Jesus is that he was God and you know, about all the miraculous stuff, about the angels announcing his birth, and all of that great and wonderful thing. But by day eight, it was life, you know, kind of back to normal. He had to go, and he was circumcised, which for us is a medical procedure that happens in the hospital, you know, right then and there. For them, for the Jewish people even today, it's, it's, a, it's more of a celebration and, and kind of a religious exercise that they do on the eighth day. And then after that, we pick up here in Luke chapter 2, um, in verse 25, and his family was going to worship. And in verse 25, it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was, a righteous and devout, and, uh, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So here, Mary and Joseph are going to worship, and this man Simeon comes up to them. And we don't really know anything about him other than this passage of Scripture. And he was obviously a godly man, and it says that he was. But that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that you will see the Messiah before you die. And then what happens to them is what happens to, you know, parents, new parents in Walmart or other places all the time when you're going along with your baby and then a stranger wants to come up and pick them up and hold them and talk about how cute they are and then tell you how to raise them. Any parent ever have something like that happen to them? Okay, so... I've seen that happen, and if you know my wife, Jessica's not about that. Uh, she is, uh, that, that was not what she wanted to see. I was always a little bit nicer and tried to be friendly about it and stuff like that. Nuh-uh. No, 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 no. Mamas don't, mamas don't play like that very well. And so, but Simeon came up and didn't just say, oh, your baby's cute. Oh, you know what you need to do as a parent and everything else. He started talking to them about, Jesus being the Messiah, something that obviously very few people knew and realized, and this man out of nowhere started telling them what they had already been told by an angel and started saying and praising God 
saying, Sovereign Lord, I have seen your salvation. And then he follows it up, kind of, it sounds like, privately to them, and especially to Mary, and telling her about some difficulties that are going to come. Now, right after this, it says in verse 36, it says, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And so here comes Simeon, and then there comes Anna, and both of them praise God. Both of them praise God for who he has delivered to them. They say it out loud for other people to hear. Joseph and Mary obviously are taking this in. And she says that he has come for all of those people looking for God to rescue them. You know, we've talked about Jesus being Emmanuel or God with us, about him being the Prince of Peace, about him being the Anointed One. But he is also the Rescuer. He is also the one that they had been waiting for to rescue their nation. And for us today, and for you, if you are struggling in life, whether it is that you aren't sure about faith in God and you are still seeking out what it means to be a believer in Christ, He is here to rescue you. If you're a believer in God and you're simply struggling with the, with the, you know, the things of this life, just the everyday toil of work and, and bills and family or school or whatever it is, God is here to rescue you. If you're struggling with deep things that you have tried to lay down and things that you have tried to put in your past and it, and it seems like they always keep coming up, God is here to rescue you. And that's why Simeon and Anna on that day praised God. Because we all love a rescue story, right? We all love when things are bad, things aren't like that, we want them to be, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes to the rescue. And that's why we sing about Rudolph. That's why we have all kinds of movies that talk about rescues and about people facing un, you know, extraordinary odds, and then all of a sudden, through you know, either you know, people risking their life or through hard work or through the power of togetherness or whatever Christmas movie you want to watch. People come through, right? And they save the day. And I think about all the movies when I was a kid about you know, people being rescued and, and, uh, and things like that. If you want to watch new Christmas movies, by the way, the prep and landing ones, those, those are the good ones. So if you're tired of claymation, move over to prep and landing. It's been out about four or five years. They're our favorite. But still, the whole theme is somebody's got to save Christmas. Someone's got to save the day. The second movie is we got to work together. And that's what it, it's always the same thing. But it's because that message speaks to us. The idea that if we simply do what we know we can do, if we put ourselves out there, we can come to the rescue. It's great. All the movies I grew up watching as a kid, whether it was a bunch of teenagers trying to figure out clues left by pirates, whether it's action movies where you have people who are, you know, who are trapped and, and everything and they have to you know, take out 84 terrorists or something like that. Whatever it is, we love the idea that given circumstances where it's life or death and you have no other choice, that you can just move forward and people are going to risk their life and in the end, it's going to be great. 
And that is wonderful when we sit down to a 90-minute movie because we're pretty sure that at the end of it, everything's going to work out. When we sit down even to a 23-minute you know, cartoon on TV, we're really sure by the end that everything's going to work out. Right? Even the misfit toys get, get you know, put back into circulation. Everything works out whenever we sit down to watch these movies or these shows where somebody comes to the rescue and they face horrible odds and they go through difficult trials and, you know, and there are bad things that happen, but still yet they push on through. That's what we love to see. And that's what our life is if you believe in Christ. The problem is, is we're in the middle of it. We're not sitting down with a bowl of popcorn watching it happen. We're in the middle of our life, and we have all these difficulties around us. And, and there's no turning back because life keeps moving forward. And we're going to have difficulties, and we can't undo mistakes, and we can't keep bad people from doing bad things, and we can't even keep good people that we love from hurting us because we're all sinners. And we all face these difficult things in life. But it's God who comes to our rescue. And we may have to, have to go through, not may have to go, we will have to go through difficult trials and very tough things. That's what we've been preaching about the entire month of December. But in the end, God comes to our rescue. And here you had Simeon, back in verse 34. In verse 34, let's read 34 and 35 again. It says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Now imagine that as a mom. Having someone walk up to you and saying, Praise God, our salvation is here. He's promised that I would get to see him. Here's the salvation for everybody. Anna chimes in. Here is the rescuer that everyone's been waiting for. He's come to rescue Israel. And then Simeon just pulls you to the side and says, in the end, a sword is going to pierce your very soul. And he followed, you know, before that is because he said there's going to be very difficult things. Many people will oppose him. It's not all going to be easy. It's not. And he told that to Mary. And I guarantee you, Mary, had already thought that before. In the entire you know, birthing process, the entire uh, you know, pregnancy, where she and Joseph weren't married yet, and what were people thinking and saying, everything that they had faced so far wasn't easy. They were about to have to flee for their life to protect Jesus. Things were going to get hard. And then in about 30 years, they were going to get really hard. At some point, we don't know what happened to Joseph, the husband of Mary, but at some point, he's gone, and we assume that he passed away, which leaves a mother with children raising them. Things were going to be difficult. And for Jesus himself, growing up from a small boy through his teenage years to adulthood, we don't know what all happened, but things weren't easy then because they're not easy for anyone, and they sure weren't easy when he started preaching the Word of God. But the story is, and the rescue story of God, for them and for us, is that we can push through all these difficult things. 
whether it's what we face as individuals, as a church family, as your family, whether it's as a, as a country and a culture, what our nation's facing now, whether it's what the world is facing with the pandemic, all of these things, we can face them and push forward, and there's no turning back. We just keep going forward, and we trust that in the end, we have hope for a rescue. And the difference is for us, among any of the other hopes we have, that hope for a rescue is guaranteed in God. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, He will come for us again. And if we leave this earth before He comes back, we'll go meet Him. I want to close up this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he wrote this letter to Timothy. Timothy was somebody that he had kind of helped raise up and was a mentor to. And he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 16, The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. And so Paul was thrown in prison many times. And he says, the first time I went before a judge and went to prison, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. But, he said, don't hold it against them. Don't hold it against them. And in verse 17, he says, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. See, for Paul, he knew that at times that everyone around him, his friends, his family, everyone, would just leave him by himself. But Paul also knew he was never alone. Because he said, God was with me. And he said, don't hold it against them. Why? Because they're just people who are scared for their life. They've got their own problems. They're dealing with their own things. And so he said, you know, they all left me. And, and, it, and you can tell it hurt. He said, but don't hold it against them. Because in the end, the Lord stood with me and gave me strength. So he could keep doing what he needed to do. Which for Paul at that point in time was preaching the good news. Sometimes that's what we need to do. Is pray for strength for us to go tell others about, about Jesus. Sometimes it's just to pray for strength to wake up and face another day. Sometimes it's to pray for strength to wake up and to be nice to people who have hurt us. Sometimes it's to just go out the door and to do the right thing even though other people are trying to convince us to do the wrong thing. Sometimes it's just asking the strength to God for us to trust enough that if we pray to him that he's listening. But whatever it is, Paul knew that in those moments when everyone left him, he was never alone because God was always there to rescue him. And he said, in the end, what did he say? He rescued me from certain death. And yes, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. For each one of us today, worshiping here, worshiping online, for everybody in this world not worshiping anywhere, we are all offered that gift of salvation that if we put our faith in Jesus, he will rescue us and that one day we will be delivered and that we can live with him in his heavenly kingdom. Thank you for listening. We challenge you to take some next steps this week. 
One, sometimes we allow the reality of hardships to make us miss the joy of God's promises. Spend three minutes in prayer today simply praising God for what He's done and what He has promised. Two, as the new year approaches, commit to reading more scripture. Find a new reading plan using the Bible app or something else this week. For more information about small groups, Pathway Kids, or anything Pathway-related, contact us at pathwaybaptist.com connect.